Welcome into the Go 24-7 podcast, a special edition of the podcast as it's LSU Texas Week. We're talking recruiting battles and uh, future and past recruiting battles between the Tigers and Longhorns as we look ahead uh, to the game as well at the end of this podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Joining me now, recruiting analyst for Horns 247, Mike Roach. Welcome back to the podcast, Mike. Uh, Billy, it's always good to be on with you. Yeah, and a, a busy week for, for both of us and both sides as uh, really the, the talk of the weekend along with the Texas A&M Clemson game, but really LSU Texas taking center stage on Saturday night, ABC, 6.30 p.m. in Austin. Um, look, this is, this is a massive game. Both of these coaches intertwined forever, uh, really uh, dating back to that Thanksgiving week in 2016 when, when LSU made its push for Tom Herman, then decided, you know what, we're not going to go back and forth. We're going to stick with Ed Ogeron, uh, and, and kind of the rest is history up to this point. Um, from Texas's side, this is a team that is coming off a win in the Sugar Bowl over Georgia, certainly higher expectations entering this year. Kind of like LSU coming off a win in the Fiesta Bowl, now poised potentially with some tweaks offensively to make a run at, at finally knocking off Alabama. But really, the season starts this week in Austin for, for LSU and uh, for Texas. What are your initial thoughts going into this one, and, and, and how big is this one at, from a recruiting perspective? I mean, it's everything from a recruiting perspective. We've got a lengthy, lengthy list of recruits who are going to be on hand uh, for this game. Billy, I can't wait till next year when it's your turn to do all the intel and gather all the recruits. And I can just kind of siphon off your list because this has been a two-week process, just confirming names and uh, making sure everybody's in and listed. And, uh, you know, if you didn't see it, Brian Carrington tweeted um, earlier this week that they're done. They're full for recruit visits they can't take anymore so uh, it's obviously going to be huge I think for Texas on the field you know it's just another one of those measuring stick games to see where they are as a program um, they're starting to I think you know a couple years ago they beat Mizzou in a bowl game which whatever it was not that great of a Mizzou team but they beat Georgia last year they beat LSU this year I think they're going to be feeling themselves as uh, SEC slayers and uh, you know I think that's obviously kind of the angle you have to work almost if you're Texas with the SEC being such an appealing option to recruits to be able to say to them, hey, you don't have to go play there because we beat those teams every time we go up against them is, is obviously a huge feather in your cap. Yeah, and for, for Ed Ogeron, I think this is one that is probably a little bit more personal to him. I think for Tom, uh, it, it was a situation where, look, he was at Houston. He knew he was going to have his pick of whatever job he wanted at, that was open at the end of the year. Um, LSU came after him. They made their play, obviously, for the Texas job and the rest of his history. But for Ed, I mean, it was a week where he had heard, okay, Tom Herman's coming for for the for LSU. Uh, I'm going into this game. You know, people are starting to look for for other jobs because it sounds like Tom Herman's coming. Ends up not being the case. And then fast forward, you know, a year or so, and you go through the thing with the satellite camps. There's been recruiting battles since then. I think this one is a little bit more personal for, uh, you know, on Ed's side of things. But this is one where LSU has a chance to kind of prove itself. And, and look, there's there's six and a half at this point as we're recording the podcast point favorites in this ballgame. But LSU is a team that doesn't get the benefit of the doubt in a way that I think Texas does because Tom Herman is an offensive guy because he came in and has now shifted the offense and has Sam Ellinger at the helm. And, you know, they beat Georgia and did all those things. Well, LSU is still adapting and still changing their offense and 
installing this up-tempo system, and so they're kind of still a team in transition, people will just, if, if LSU loses this game, say, oh, okay, typical LSU either couldn't score enough points or you know, couldn't rise to the occasion. But you know, this is a game where I think it's a little bit more personal for Ed Ogeron, and if they can win in the state of Texas uh, this year, it'll really help them in this 2021 class. Um, you know, looking ahead, really, as both both schools are, are starting to kind of turn the page towards 2021 um, with, with the classes that they have assembled. But man, I mean, uh, you talk about a feather in your cap for for Tom Herman. I think there's nothing that that Ed Ogeron would want more than than beating Texas, obviously. I think I don't know. I mean, I, obviously, yeah, it would be huge, and I think it is personal on both ends because, you know, the Georgia game was a, a marquee game. It was a, a sugar, a New York's New Year's Six Bowl against a, a an opponent that, you know, some thought should have been in the playoffs. And um, but you know, aside from a couple of guys, it's not like those schools really go head to head a ton. I mean, LSU is arguably like right behind Oklahoma and A and M, Texas' next biggest recruiting rival. They have to deal with on a regular basis. I think this is a, a heavy, a hot and heavy battleground for both schools. Um, you know, you mentioned LSU not really getting the benefit of the doubt. I think it's you know it's it's something to note that Tom Herman is I think like thirteen and two against the spread as an underdog. So obviously, you know, he gets his teams prepared really well. I don't know what the perception is outside of the bubble. That's like my Twitter and the people I listen to, but it seems like there's a lot of people that feel like LSU is going to roll pretty easy in this one. So I don't know if that means, you know, if they beat them where they supposed to beat them, if they lose, you know, it was a major upset. Um, I, yeah, I really don't know what the national view of Texas is at this point. I, I, I get that people are probably still skeptical about them, um, but you know, this team is a little bit different in, in year three of Sam Ellinger. Yeah, no question. And, and for more on the game on the field, we'll have tons of breakdowns, both sides, horns, 24, seven, go 24, seven, check it all out. Both, both the both staffs on, on our uh, sides, putting together a ton of content for, for subscribers and, and non-subscribers as well, uh, during the week, let's kind of get into some of the recruiting battles here, Mike. There's only one that I can think of in the 2020 class, as far as, uh, guys that are kind of up for grabs in a way. I think we, we've kind of come to this agreement on both sides. There's Alfred Collins out there, of course, his defensive end out of Texas. But really the big name that is still, I think, both schools are having to battle for and, and one for Texas to keep and for LSU to try and flip is the five-star running back, John Robinson. Uh, he's not going to be there this weekend, weekend, but do you think a strong showing either way helps either one of these sides? Yeah, no, I, I answered this question a little earlier on a chat. Um, I think that I, I think Bijan's pretty locked into Texas. And I honestly think if he turns on TV and sees how thin the running back depth is, uh, even though that might possibly be bad for Texas on Saturday night, it'd probably be good for him because, you know, kids want to play. And I think he looks at that situation and sees that they're – their second running back is the third string quarterback and their third running back is a linebacker that they just moved to running back this week. Um, you know, you start to look at that as a five-star running back and go, man, I can go right in there and, and have no problems getting in. But I think overall, Bijan's pretty locked in. Now it would, he does plan on taking his official visits to uh, UCLA. And then he also mentioned LSU. I think it all, obviously you have to worry about a kid anytime he's on another campus. Uh, just because of recruiting, but I think Texas feels pretty good with Bijan, and um, and I think Bijan and his family feel pretty good with Texas. As far as the game overall, like I, I feel like this is not there's not a ton you're going to lose from losing one game, 
but I think you can gain a lot more from winning than you than you lose from losing. I think that the biggest thing you would lose if Texas were to to drop this game in a bad fashion would be you would lose some of that momentum they've gotten and the opportunity to take a big step forward. Uh, in the long run, I don't see it being like uh, everybody backing off forever. But and look, I mean, Texas A&M and Clemson proved last year that to recruit you can sell a, a close loss and a good performance. So um, it's just really interesting to see how the game turns out. Yeah, I, I'm with you on Bijan uh, being uh, you know locked into to, to Texas. I think that's probably the prevailing thought. We'll see if he does end up taking an official visit uh, to LSU. The new LSU offense could impress him. Who knows? But yeah, I agree with you. It'll take a, a good bit for him to 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 come off of that Texas pledge. Uh, that's really the lone 2020 prospect, but there are some 2021 studs that are going to be on campus and a few that have LSU-Texas ties in the recruiting game right now. Uh, I want to start with LJ Johnson, and we've talked a lot about him uh, just offline and, and uh, you know, via text and, you know, phone calls. And, and this is a running back that right now, the number five running back in the country on 24-7 sports. He's out of Cy Fair, Texas. Um, I, I wish I could have seen him the other night when, when Josh White's game was two hours, uh, delayed two hours. But um, anyway, he's one of the top running backs in the country. He's an LSU legacy. He's going to be in Austin. Uh, what do you think from, from your side on, on LJ so far? I mean, shout out to our guy, Gabe Brooks, who I think was probably one of the most early identifiers of LJ and his talent. I really like him. I think possibly he's the top running back in the state for 2021. He doesn't have like some of the physical tools that a lot of guys have. There's nothing eye popping about him, but I don't really care about that when it comes to running backs as much as I care about things like vision and feel and just natural running ability. And I think LJ's got that in spades. I think he's kind of made for, you know, what Texas wants to do offensively, which is hammer you. Um, I think, you know, that also, you know, hasn't made for a bunch of schools in the SEC as well. Um, you know, so I, I think he's a fantastic prospect. I think Texas is in, in a good spot early, but obviously with his ties to LSU, it's something he'll probably be watching very closely. Yeah, and, and you mentioned sometimes the things don't pop out at you, you know, uh, about him. But four four two forty at the opening regional in, in March, I mean, that was – uh, surprising, and Gabe even wrote that is that he's not somebody that you look at and you say, okay, that that guy is a four four guy. Yeah, I don't think he plays that fast, and that that happens sometimes where guys don't play as fast as they time. I think like Brennan Eagles was a guy like that, but um, you know, for for LJ, I just love pretty much his overall game. I think that you know that's obviously probably going to be one of the hotter uh, recruiting battles in twenty one. You know, I'm not really sure what the state of Louisiana has it running back next year. And obviously, you know, if Louisiana has got a stud running back, we know where they're pretty much ending up for the most part, but um, we'll, we'll, I want to see how hard, you know, both schools are engaged on LJ. Yeah. Right now I, I would say uh, he would be uh, probably above anybody in Louisiana. We'll see who emerges of course, as these junior seasons get going, but Latrell Neville is somebody, New Orleans native, uh, been to LSU, been to Texas, been to Texas A&M. I mean, just been, on the recruiting scene for a while now, he'll be back in Austin this weekend. And and uh, look, I mean, he's a guy who's a top two four seven guy for us, 6'3", 195. Um, Ohio State has some crystal ball picks, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Um, but it's a good sign for Texas that he's in Austin this weekend. And and certainly this is one that I could, I could see uh, having LSU and Texas be right down to the wire for him. 
Yeah, I think if you if you had to make me pick finalists for Latrell Neville, it would probably be LSU and Texas. In fact, I think he's come close a couple of times to committing to Texas, but decided to hold off. Um, you know, I haven't seen Neville in person other than just a few like seven on seven games. I haven't seen him in pads yet. I'll see him later this year. But obviously, you know, big kid, if you're around him, he's he's just a big rangy kind of athlete. I think that um you know, I, I I remember first time I met him, he came to to Austin with uh, Demont Demas and Javon Shepard, um, just as kind of like the third guy, and he was like a freshman. And uh, I just started talking to him because everybody was crowded around the other two, and a real thoughtful kid and and a smart kid, and um, you know, able to gain a relationship with him just by kind of talking to him there, and. Uh, you know, he's turned into one of the hotter prospects out there. So like you mentioned, being a New Orleans native, I think LSU's always had his eye. Um, I can't remember. Was he there last week? I know he told me he was going to LSU at some point. Was uh, he was he, he in Baton Rouge last week? I don't I, I don't remember seeing him and, and he wasn't on a visitor list for us. <laughs> OK, it, it may be in the next couple of weeks Then he told me, you know, LSU was getting a visit very very soon. So obviously, you know, the schools the kids show up to most, I think, is, are going to matter. I think for him, he's kind of uh, been attracted to Texas just because of the movement they've had in 21 with Jalen Milrow and some of those Houston area guys. And uh, that's really kind of stuck out to him. Yeah, no doubt. And 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 look, I mean, as we kind of go down the list, there, there are some guys that have been, you know, offered by LSU in Texas. And, you know, certainly you could bring up um, as being guys that both schools will be battling for, you know, Donovan Jackson uh, is one. Uh, but but one that I want to highlight is is Clayton Smith. He was at LSU this summer. Uh, he worked out for for Texas at the SMU camp that you and I attended. Uh, so he's been around uh, both programs this summer. He's a three sport athlete. Um, he's got offers really you know starting to pile up all over the country. He's a top 100 guy on 24/7 Sports outside linebacker. Uh, Texas High and Texas Arcana, really impressive prospect. He'll be in Austin this weekend. W what's kind of your thoughts uh, there as, as his recruitment starts to pick up? Yeah, you know, early on, Texas was in there super early, hosting him for a junior day before he ever had an offer and um, really was on him very quickly. And I think Clayton's got some freaky potential as, a, as an outside pass rusher. Um, you know, for a while, it looked like Texas was – a runaway leader i think he's as he's taken more visits the scope is kind of opened up and lsu is certainly uh, a program that has made their way in uh, you know if you travel east texas a lot it is as much an lsu area as it is an arkansas area as it is a texas area as it is a texas a&m area i mean it's you know you get a lot of mix from the i guess western louisiana guys that that migrate over the line and coach in east texas and um i know that there's there's some influence at his school in favor of lsu and i i know when he came back from his visit coaches at his school were telling me that he was really really high on lsu so i think they're going to be a school that's obviously in there i mean if you had to ask me to peg kind of his top group i think right now it would be lsu texas oklahoma and arkansas and and i agree i loved i, I loved what i saw from him at camp this summer he, he was he was a work had a workman-like mentality he was going up against one of the best offensive tackles in the country and tristan lay who is in town as well so um this really impressive prospect out of east texas uh, lsu's gone in there and 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 signed chasing hines out of there before um so look and, and that was a recruiting battle we could look back on later in the pod but um, one final one in 2021 before we take a break is uh, Dallas Kimball uh, corner Ish Ishmael Ibrahim. He really burst onto the scene this spring, 
Texas and LSU offered him in the months of uh, June and May, respectively. Uh, now he's already in the top 150 overall, top 10 corner, both on the 24-7 sports composite and on 24-7. Um, this is somebody that, uh, look, LSU loves those long corners, um, and they've gone into Dallas before and, and beat Texas for kids like Darrell Cherry. Uh, this is somebody that, that um, you know, I think both schools have, have a legit shot at, at getting, though. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you're around the Dallas area and work in recruiting, you probably know who Coach O is. This is a Coach O kid. Um, he's been telling me about him for years. Uh, to me, really, just one of the more freaky athletes at corner. I think he's got a lot of work to do to be a true cover corner. But uh, you talk about a kid with who's built the right way and who has some serious bounce and athleticism. It is Ishmael Ibrahim. You can see it uh, just in his movements. Everything just kind of looks different. I think uh, right now he's pretty open. But, uh, you know, we were actually uh, uh, talking to to a source near him the other night when we were on the sideline for that, um, that buoy game. And who said, you know, it wouldn't surprise him if Ish was was uh, committed before uh, the end of the year. So uh, I think that he's kind of just starting to make some visits. So I think schools are just kind of starting to become real to him. He he made his first visits to A&M in Texas over the summer. Um, so, you know, he kind of got to see those things. I think that Texas is in a good spot for him. I would say A&M is probably in a good spot for him. I don't really have a read on Ish when it comes to LSU just because I've never really talked to him about it. Um, and he's kind of a quiet kid. But obviously, you know, they've got the tradition that can sell. And we don't need to get into the DBU debate that I got drug into needlessly on a, on Twitter the other day. But um, obviously, I mean, both schools have the brand that they can sell. So uh, for Ish, I think, you know, he, if that's a guy – that LSU wants, I think that that's the guy that LSU would be in until the end for as well. Uh, and and with that, we're going to put a wrap on the 2021 class in terms of LSU-Texas recruiting battles. We're going to take a quick break on the Go 24-7 podcast, come right back, hit on a trio of 2022, yes, 2022 prospects that'll be in attendance that both schools are in on already. We'll look back at a couple recruiting battles that Mike and I can get a little nostalgic about and then share some predictions. So we'll be right back with more on the Go 24-7 podcast right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening to this edition. Please leave us a rating, a review, and hit that subscribe button uh, if you like what you're listening to right now. We've got Mike Roach with us on the podcast, continuing to break down LSU-Texas recruiting battles uh, a trio that we're going to highlight that are all going to be in Austin this weekend for the game. I want to start with, look, uh, Houston, 
North Shore state champs um, uh, last year and, and the year Caleb on Chasson was there uh, playing against Sam Ellinger. Well, they've got another 2022 prospect uh, that's coming up through the ranks. It's corner Denver Harris. Um, going to be one of the most sought after prospects in the nation already is. And while he can't hear from college coaches just yet, he'll be in Austin. He's got Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas, Texas A&M, uh, Oklahoma, just, you know, the list goes on already for him. This is, uh, going to be one of those national names out of, out of North shore. Yeah, man. And they just keep finding freaks, you know, like it's just, it seems year after year, North shore has got a dude and, uh, Denver Harris definitely is. He had some serious buzz this spring. I remember going out to North shore, uh, for spring and they wouldn't even let me talk to him because they were trying to temper his kind of his, not his ego, but like his head, they didn't want anything getting too big yet. He had never started a varsity game and he was already picking up big time sec offers. Then he goes to every camp in the country and just does nothing but like run four fours and dominate receivers during them. So he's obviously going to be uh, one of the hotter names. And I think, you know, he, from what I understand, he did grow up liking Texas. Texas was a little late to offer because they have a policy about not offering kids who haven't played varsity football. As soon as he played his first varsity game, he did have an offer. So that kind of stuck out to him that they stuck to their word. But you can't ignore uh, LSU's success at North Shore. And, the, you know, when you go back as far as guys like Eric Monroe and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Caleb Von Chase on and, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're kind of in it for Zach Evans, I think. And uh, so, I mean, they, they've got a, a rep there. And uh, so, you know, with with Denver, I would bet Alabama's in it. I would bet A&M's in it. I would bet LSU and Texas are both in it as well. And he's just one of one of the best young prospects in the country. He was at LSU campus summer as well and performed really well, got an offer there. Another one, Humble Atasocita, and I butchered that. but I, I Atascacita. Atascacita. I do that all the time. But, uh, look, uh, same high school as Kenyon Green, another five-star offensive lineman who ended up at Texas A&M. The crystal ball is on Texas A&M for this one, but Cam Dewberry, 6'4", 285, top 100 kid on 24-7 sports in the 2022 class already. Uh, he's going to be in Austin this weekend. What's kind of the early read there? Just a dominant, dominant player at offensive line. Really was probably the best offensive lineman during the opening regional in Houston as a freshman. And also, you know, when Kenyon Green played right tackle in, in high school, Cam Dewberry played left tackle as a freshman. So I, that's how much they trust him and love his ability. Um, Texas A&M and probably Alabama and LSU, I think, are the schools that Cam has mentioned really early to me as, as schools he's high on. Uh, it's kind of the right mix of, of a Houston, uh, you know, a Houston area kid who's a, a well-regarded offensive lineman. I think that those schools will probably all factor in just about every time. I don't know that that Cam's really narrowed down. I mean, he's a 22, so it's hard to narrow anything down at that point, and I don't think he's worried about it. I think for him, you know, this will be a good measuring stick game for his recruitment as well. Fort Worth, Nolan Catholic, running back, Emeka Megwa. This kid just screams, you know, national uh, top, you know, we've got him in the top 100, but just could end up being one of the best, uh, could be a five-star type prospect. I mean, just that impressive already. Uh, has offers from all over the, the country um, and is just kind of beginning to get going on the recruiting process. He'll be in Austin. We've seen him multiple times at the opening and you've seen him in person. I mean, just kind of put into words, I guess, what we're dealing with here is, as he gets ready to, to begin the recruiting process. 
He's already built like a college prospect. Like just when you see him, you think, man, that's a, I can't believe that kid's a 22. Um, I, I don't love him at running back. I actually think he's probably going to transition to like a linebacker at the next level, but still, I mean, just taking those big athletes and figuring out something to do with them that, you know, that's how you find guys like, uh, you know, LSU seems to do it just about every year um, and turn those guys into high first round picks. But I think that uh, early he's a tough read. He's a really tough read. Cause sometimes, you know, he's not willing to give anything away. He did tell me that the Texas pool party was his favorite visit he's been on so far. Um, but he's going to have a national national recruitment and it's, I mean, it's going to go as far North as Ohio state and Michigan and as far West as, you know, Stanford and, and Oregon and as far East as, as, as Penn state and, and those schools out there. So um, obviously, you know, he's, he's, I think he'll he'll go on for a while, and I don't think he's anywhere close to to having favorites or, or anybody standing out for him. And look, now we've we've talked about some guys that are getting nationally recruited right now. I want to look back on two: Caden Stearns and Caleb Chasson, two of the guys that will probably have you know just about as big of an impact on the game as as anybody, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Let's start with Caden, one-time LSU commit. Um, there's a picture of him on your website right now of him at the LSU game in a tiger shirt. Um, that was people didn't fun. like that. <laughs> yeah. People, people on our board didn't like it, but uh, I thought that was the point. Like that's kind of encapsulates the article. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't think you could have picked a better picture for it too. And, and you know, you get people talking about it and, and recruiting is a passionate thing, but that recruitment right there, I mean, there was some back and forth there. There was, you know, LSU had him committed. Then he, you know, gets, ends up at Texas. I mean, just, Walk us back through that one from from your perspective. Well, I think what's funny and the funny thought I had while writing the article, it's up on Horns247.com, by the way, if you want to check it out, um, is that if you think about it, when Tom Herman took the job and Ed Orgeron was hired at, at LSU, I think if either of them looked ahead to this game on the schedule, they probably said, I, Ed Orgeron said, well, man, I can't wait to have Caden Stearns in my secondary. And Tom Herman probably said, I can't wait to have Caleb on chase on chasing whoever their quarterback is. And it just kind of flipped different ways for Caden. That was a kid that Billy, you know, when I really fall for a kid, I fall hard. And Caden was a kid I fell in love with early, early in this process. Um, a, a, a student of our good friend, coach flight. I met Caden when he was a freshman and, and really was able to spend four years covering his recruitment. I'll tell you this. I don't. I don't care where kids ever go to pick, go to school. I told Caden after he picked LSU that I was a little sad that I just wouldn't have a reason to come see him anymore, and really wouldn't have a reason to talk to him. Um, you know. So, and Caden was the kind of kid that I thought, you know, once it's done, it's done. He's not going to entertain anything or, or flip or or anything like that. Well, then he, I get a text one day that he's on campus in Austin with his mother. Somebody spotted him walking around with Jason Washington. And I mean, things really moved quickly from there. And I think it was a it was a combination of of Caden wasn't feeling as much love from LSU from what he told me, but it was more that he just really wanted to be close to home with his mom living in the San Antonio area. She'd been traveling just about every week to go see his brother who played at Oklahoma State, and he had talked about how hard that was on her to to be able to get off work, go to Caden's Friday night game, and then drive all the way up to Stillwater every week to to go see her brother. He wanted to be close to home to help take care of the family, and I think it's worked out really well for him and, and obviously really well for Texas. Yeah, and, and look, I, I, I 
that that program down there, Chibolo Steel, just turns him out, man. Defensive backs left and right, and 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 Caden just getting to visit with him. Uh, I talked with him at uh, the uh, All American Bowl down in down in uh, Texas this this uh, January, and he's just one of those pros, and just really enjoy you know covering him, and and obviously he ends up at that uh, at Texas, and he, and he's starting and playing right away. I tell you what, LSU. Uh, look, they signed a loaded safety class in the 2017 class the year before. And, and I think Texas also got that point across to him. I mean, all three of the guys in that class, Jacoby Stevens, Grant Delpit, Todd Harris, and Kerry Car- and Car- Jr. too, um, in, in terms of the nickel spot, are all starting for, for LSU in some capacity and some scheme. And, and I think to a degree that that played a, a role as well. And um, I tell you what, though, with with you know, Kelvin Joseph ending up transferring away and he was a, you know, highly recruited, recruited safety and just ended up playing corner. Else you would have loved to have had Caden, but, um, you know, certainly a prospect that's going to be uh, high up on NFL draft boards. And another one will be Caleb on Chasson. And, and look, I mean, that was a recruitment that was pretty wild at the end there and, and following that one. But, um, I guess, again, I guess give your take kind of from your angle, and then I'll, I'll kind of share a story on, on that one as well. So I'll tell you everything I know on Chason. And I was one of the dudes who rode with Texas until the very, very end on that recruitment and obviously came out on the wrong end. Won't, wasn't the first time, won't be the last for sure. But, um, you know, when it, when it was coming down the stretch, Chason was basically silently committed to Texas when Charlie Strong was there. Um, you know, I mean, he just liked Texas. He liked his, his, the idea of being close to home. And we were told, you know what, even if Charlie gets fired, if they, if they hire Tom Herman, you know, Houston's in like his top three or four, he really likes Herman as well, I think. And so we basically counted him in, um, all the way through. And even I think a day or two before signing day, before his decision, he was telling Texas commits, uh, you know, that he was in, which happens a lot. I mean, it's never a, a full a foolproof thing, but obviously it is a data point we take into consideration when gathering uh, information. So, you know, we just kind of kept riding with it. And then I think a, a little before the, the announcement word started to trickle out to us, at least, that it was going to be LSU. And I, I was never more surprised because that was one I counted as pretty much in the bag even before Tom Herman was ever hired. Yeah, so that one was probably my – big induction into following SEC recruiting. Um, obviously, uh, Les Miles had gotten fired that fall, and Ed Ogeron had gotten hired, and Ed was the first to you know, extend an offer to Caleb on way back at LSU camp. Um, and, and look, that was one where I felt like I had a pretty good read on it. I, I wasn't convinced that LSU was going to land him by any means, but I had ended up uh, going around right before National Sign Day and hitting some key guys I really wanted to hear from. I really wanted to get, you know, some Sign Day profiles. And one of them was Kerry Vincent Jr. on that Monday. And he was really the last recruit to spend time with Caleb on, um, who, you know, wasn't his high school teammate or, or something like that. And Kerry had a pretty good beat on it the entire time. I mean, I remember talking to him when he was on his Texas official visit, Kerry came, you know, out this weekend again and kind of said, look, I went to Texas with Caleb on to recruit him the entire time. And, um, you know, he kind of drummed it up more than Caleb on let him, but he said, look, I, you know, I, I did my job. I recruited him. I got him, got him to Texas or I, I got him to LSU. And I, I went over on that Monday to go do a profile on Caleb on uh, Kerry. And I was going to go 
uh, I actually went to North Shore uh, that later that day uh, to talk with Caleb on and he wasn't in class or anything like that. So I just ended up, you know, going around and, and talking to all the other studs at North Shore. But Kerry said, look, I'm the I'm talking to him. I'm, I've been talking to him. He's telling me like LSU is the place that I'm going to be going to. And that was coming off of that Florida visit where Ed Ogeron had basically walked him through TSA um, and, and had come, you know, for his final in-home visit at about 5 a.m. And I just said, OK, all right. And I remember going back and forth with some of our other colleagues. And, you know, there was still word out there that, you know, Texas uh, commits were, were hearing the same, that he was coming. And then I remember Tuesday, it all kind of going silent on, on the Texas commits front. And um, I forget who... Would it have been who's a quarterback commit then? Would it have been uh, that would have been Sam? Sam Sam hadn't heard from him or something like that, you know, into the afternoon on Tuesday, and then that was when kind of I had I had said okay, I think LSU you know ended up you know getting him at that point. I remember going and saying, look, this is this is where I think he's going, and Carrie uh, said, look, he's still talking to me all day, and uh, so it ends up going to going to LSU and just a what a wild recruitment but but one of those ones that you look back and you just say all right okay i'm i'm so happy this cycle is over but that was kind of fun to cover as well yeah i mean you nailed the timing on it it was monday i was told by multiple multiple texas commits that it's texas he's told all of us he's told our whole group text it's texas and then tuesday i would check back in and people were like well we haven't heard from him so yeah you nailed the timing on that i think texas learned a huge lesson from that carrie vincent visit because at first it was like oh man we're they got caleb on on campus they might be able to flip vincent and i think by about 10 minutes in they understood what vincent was there for and i talked to guys at texas like uh, just sources there that were like that'll never happen again you know we just really weren't prepared for that yeah and sometimes you got to shoot your shot with a five-star guy that you're right in it for the end for and, and so i get it but yeah i mean carrie was with him just about every second of that official visit and and uh, just a wild, wild that that official visit weekend was probably the most fun I've had covering a recruitment. One of the most you know entertaining ones, at least. Uh, Snapchat was off and everything like that. Oh yeah. When was I was told that Carrie and Caleb Vaughn left their hosts and went off alone, I was like, this is not good for Texas at all. <laughs> and they spent like an entire night without their hosts or anyone else. Yeah, they got they got a good view of Austin, and anyway, uh, it was a, a fun fun one to uh, follow. Uh, both of those uh, recruitments certainly uh, will have a big impact on the field on on Saturday night. Mike, time for predictions. What uh, what's kind of your mindset here? Now, I've been going back and forth on it. I, I you know I told you early in the week. I think honestly, I think the worst thing LSU could do is come out and really commit to this spread offense. I think that obviously their advantage is playing physical and and. Um, kind of beating up a, a a team that struggles at linebacker a little bit. But the more I think about it, the more I, I really worry about Texas' second cornerback situation if a guy like Anthony Cook can't st- step up. You know, I, I'm i really interested to see. I hope we get some Jalen Green versus Terrace Marshall action again because you and I have seen that in 7-on-7, seven seven and it was quite a show. Uh, but I, I really think as good as Texas' secondary is, and they've got a lot of talent back there, they do have a deficit at that second cornerback position still are trying to figure out who's really going to fit there um you know i think this is a situation much like when they played usc home and home where the first time they played they might not have just they might not have been ready for that and i think that they're more likely to win the second time they play um 
So I actually, I don't know when this podcast is dropping, Billy, but I think our predictions on our site come out tomorrow. I believe I have it at LSU 30, Texas 23. You and I are uh, very much on the same page right now. And and look, I, I think I might differ. I, I think LSU is going to be able to mix it up enough while running the spread to to be able to to still take this win and 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 win in Austin um, and doing it the way that they want to play offense this year. But um, I do see it like you see it, right? LSU going into Austin this year. And I just think when you look at the quarterbacks and you look at what we could be talking about next year, not to get into that, but it could be Miles Brennan for LSU versus a senior in Sam Ellinger. Um, I'll, I'll go with Sam Ellinger even going into Tiger Stadium next year. But the focus is on this year, and I'm going to go with LSU. Um, I, I think I said 31-24 on a, on a podcast yesterday. I think that's what I'm going to end up rolling with. Um, so as of right now, LSU would cover too, which um, the one thing that that I just, I guess in terms of predictions, you worry about your prediction, right? Tom Herman's record against the spread. I mean, I, I'm more of the belief that a game is a game and records are records. Like that's, it's just kind of like, you know, narratives uh, for the game and pregame and all that stuff. But I really do like LSU in this one, regardless of how well Tom Herman has done in, in big games and, and games he's been underdogs in. Um, but I'm going to go with LSU 31, uh, Texas 24. I think the game is actually a little bit, uh, you know, maybe a, a field goal later or, or something like that, that gets Texas a little closer, makes it a one possession game. But I think LSU handle business. I just love their athletes on defense. Um, if this is a game where Sam Ellinger is going to have to put the team on his back, um, I know they've got Keontae Ingram, who we love, uh, of course, but uh, it just seems like LSU might have just too much to deal with uh, for Texas this time around. Yeah, I actually misspoke. I think I have it 30 to 24 because I've got Texas covering, um, but they would be barely covering in that situation. And the way I see it, like I think it's very possible it's 30 to 24 and Texas is driving at the end of the game, but just can't put it away. I think LSU just people don't understand how immensely talented that roster is and how well they've recruited. I mean, I think if you look besides Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, you're talking about maybe the fourth best roster in the country just in terms of raw talent. I love Sam Ellinger. I'll roll with that guy to win a game against just about anybody. Um, but I think the talent deficit with Texas question marks at corner, their injuries at running back. I think that there it may just be a year too early for him. I think Joe Burrow gets a, a a good national boost off of this game as well. I think he's going to be ready to roll as well and 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 kind of uh, make his own name in, in this series and, and kind of leave his mark on LSU. But look with the, with that We've gone on for, for way too long, taking up way too much of your time, man. Uh, appreciate you so much jumping on the podcast with us. Hockey season's coming soon. We're going to have to grab some dinner and some food as well next time I'm in Dallas and, and do all of that uh, very soon. Some Pink Whitney's. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Pink Whitney's uh, and uh, some great food somewhere. So hope everyone enjoyed this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Keep it locked on Horns 24-7 and go 24-7 for all your Texas LSU needs this weekend as, uh, boy, what a monster matchup in Austin. Uh, for Mike Roach, I'm Billy Umbody. Thanks for listening to the pod and have a great weekend following this one.